From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Haq. Welcome to a new episode of For What It's Worth. I am your host, Rubina Ahmed Haq. I'm so excited for this week's show because it's the week before Thanksgiving. And this is the first major event that we have where we get our family together, put a big meal together after summer is over. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You can get away with pretty cheap and cheerful options during the summer, right? Hot dogs, burgers. You don't really have to go out of your way to really make guests for your summer barbecue happy because everyone's just out in the backyard and having a good time in the sunshine. But Thanksgiving, I feel the pressure to really put on a fantastic meal, to have decor, to really get some special things uh, for appetizers and other things that I will be serving because I host Thanksgiving every year. I host Christmas as well every year. And I do it gladly, but I can imagine how expensive it is for families uh, now that the cost of food has gone up. It's expensive for us. My husband and I were just talking about how we're going to do the shopping early so that we can make sure we take advantage of the deals. Uh, we're doing that this, you know, uh, at least a week ahead of time so that we can make sure that we've got everything that we need and we're not scrambling and buying things full price. Uh, my best advice is that, is if you're listening to me right now, it's the weekend, you still have about seven, eight days before that big Thanksgiving meal, start looking uh, around for the deals. Where's turkey on sale? Where are the typical vegetables that you buy? Where are they on sale? You know, a bag of Brussels sprouts, if you're not watching how much they cost, they can be 11, 12, 13. I remember seeing them for 20 bucks for a bag of Brussels sprouts. So you really have to be careful uh, when you are buying things loose, right, to make sure that you're not buying more than you need and you really are getting the best deal. And doing that early always is going to save you money. Later on in the program, we're going to speak to Sylvain Charlebois. He's the food professor out of Dalhousie University, and he'll talk about the cost of food. And he's got some innovative ways that we can save money on our Thanksgiving meal this year. Some things that I'm not convinced every Canadian wants to do, but at least if you're having that meal and feeling the pressure of how much it's costing you, there are ways you can cut some things down out of your budget if you've got a really strict budget especially. Uh, One of the things is the protein. So rather than having turkey, he's got some other ideas of things that you could put on your table. I know that's not the traditional meal that we serve, Uh, Definitely focusing on the veggies that are in season, that are on sale. Uh, That's going to save you money. And, you know, from my perspective, potluck. You know, never has it been more socially acceptable to ask your guests to bring dishes with them than after the pandemic. So everybody realizes that, you know, in the last year, inflation has really created a situation where food is more expensive. Everybody is feeling it. Even if you're not food insecure or you're not facing financial hardship, everyone's talking about the price of food. Everyone's affected by the fact that, you know, avocados are all of a sudden $5 an avocado. I've seen that in grocery stores. I'm telling you, I did not buy them, but I have seen those kind of prices. And so if you really wanted to make a dish with avocados and you went last minute, you may end up paying that much for that avocado. So that is the best thing that you can do is shop early. And the other thing that I want to really promote this Thanksgiving is we all need to stop being a victim to the pumpkin spice effect. Do you know what this is, the pumpkin spice effect? It's this feeling we get during the fall that we need to go out to whatever decor stores in your neighborhood. I'm not going to name any, but you all know rhymes with 
tents, right? <laughs> we all know these stores. Uh, we used to have Target. We don't have Target anymore in this country, but I know a lot of people cross-border shop, go to Target and get some stuff there. Now, I'm not saying that any of those stores, I'm not, I'm not trying to get negative press for them, but these stores really do promote this idea that we need to fill our home with orange pumpkins and ceramic you know, harvest uh, uh, decor and we need to have all these fake leaves and we need to just make our home look like in some cases kind of looks kind of barnish right <laughs> like all this sort of harvest uh, uh, aesthetic that people love fall aesthetic I really do love DIY uh, crafts and I you know for Christmas I have my Christmas decorations there yeah I, I, I bought them over the years a lot of times on sale after Christmas ends. A lot of times I've gotten them from free for from friends who no longer need it. I've also given stuff away. So I've got my Christmas decor that I don't spend much money on because I've over the years accumulated a lot. But I don't spend any money on Thanksgiving decor. I do have a uh, tablecloth that has some harvest aesthetic on it. So fall aesthetic on it. That's about it. I bought that really to protect my table. So there was a function for why I bought that tablecloth. But, you know, really going out there and cutting some, you know, orangey red leaves, making that into a nice um, tablescape. Last year, I got my kids to go out and we just collected maple leaves and on each, uh, you know, we picked them off the tree because I didn't want to pick one that had pee on it from dog pee on it. So we, we collected all these leaves and we just put them on each uh, each uh, placing place setting, and it was like a nice sort of Thanksgiving decor. Um, that's all free, and then in the end, you can just compost it. You know, there's no waste as well with all the stuff that I'm talking about. So really, uh, try to resist the pumpkin spice uh, effect, where we just feel like everything's got to smell like pumpkin spice, look like pumpkin spice. Everything just has to. And you go into these stores and you feel overwhelmed. I found two little hacks recently that help if you do suffer from this syndrome. One is. Go to one of the decor stores, spend an hour there, walk around, breathe it all in, but don't buy anything. Because most of us just want to be, we want to feel like we are a part of this harvest season, this fall season that really does bring on these feelings of coziness and togetherness and we're getting ready for the winter and all these you know things that we look forward to. When we bring that stuff home, sometimes it doesn't necessarily make us feel as euphoric as it did when we were there. And that's the other point. If you are buying something, pick it up from that display that has been professionally put together for you and take it to the toilet paper section and just put it on the shelf and see if it still looks good. Does that orange ceramic pumpkin amongst all of those leaves that look so beautiful, does it still look good when it's just standing next to a big roll of toilet paper? So these are things that you can do because sometimes we bring this decor home and we're like, why doesn't it look as good in my house as it did at the store? Well, that's because the store spent like $4,000 if you were to buy all that merchandise, putting that display together. And you just bought one thing for like 50 bucks. That's not going to give the same effect. So that's other things to think about is that really try to be mindful of the stuff that you're buying and try to, as much as you can, DIY. I am, I, nothing enrages me more. This is more to do with Christmas. When people buy that evergreen, you know, from the grocery store for like 10 bucks a bundle, I'm like, it's literally available for free in your backyard. Every year, I cut a couple of branches off my evergreen tree and I make a nice tablescape and then I just compost it 
on December 26th because I don't need it anymore. I do not spend money on stuff like that. So that is my advice to you. We have a fantastic show coming up. We will be speaking to Sylvain Charlebois later in the program about uh, food prices and what we can expect, not just for Thanksgiving, but going forward for Christmas and other events that are going to be happening between now and the end of the year. And we also will be talking to somebody from the HR consulting firm Mercer about how much we can expect to get paid in 2024. Their research is showing that companies are not in the mood to bump pay for their employees going into the new year. A lot of the reasons are things that we've been talking about, inflation, cost of living. It's also raising uh, cost for to do business. And so for that reason, they're not able to offer the same kind of pay raises. We'll be talking about that study and what you can expect from your employer uh, going into the new year. I hope you'll stick around. I'm Rabina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Huck. If you are hoping to get a bump in pay in 2024, you may be out of luck. A new survey shows Canadian companies are expected to slow down compensation that they offer their new hires and their current employees. Why? When there's a labor shortage and the need for workers has never been so great? To answer this, we are joined by Luke Lepam. He's Senior Principal at Mercer Canada. They recently published these results in the Mercer Quick Pulse Canada Compensation planning survey. Wow, Luke, that's a mouthful for the survey. Welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you, Rebina. It's nice to be here. So this survey that you published, uh, you know, asks employers what their expectations are for 2024. Uh, what did you find when it comes to uh, pay raises for employees? Yeah, so interestingly, uh, what we're seeing is a trend uh, downwards in terms of what the salary increase forecasts are for 2024. Um, the the average number that we have right now is 3.7% in terms of increase, which um, compared to 2023, which was 4.1%. Um, I think uh, a, a, a better statistic is that uh, there were more organizations last year um, forecasting 4% and above. Uh, and this year, there are more organizations forecasting 3%. And so the average of 3.7, of course, there are still organizations with uh, 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 more uh, aggressive budgets. But overall, the uh, expectation will be that the salaries will increase um, at a slower pace next year. Now, there are some obvious reasons why businesses are struggling, uh, because even households in Canada are struggling because of higher cost of living. But why are uh, company? what are the reasons that companies are giving for these slower uh, increases next year? Mm. Yeah, so there's, there are many reasons. One uh, being that the market is stabilizing. Uh, so in one of our surveys, we noticed that uh, attrition or turnover, so the, the rate at which employees are leaving uh, or changing jobs has decreased from 21% to 18%. Uh, year over year. Um, there was a lot of um, uh, reshuffling going on during the pandemic, and this is this has been uh, stabilizing over time. Um, companies also in the past couple of years were more aggressive with their budgets to make up for um, freezes or reductions in comp in 2020 and 2021. Uh, now we're seeing a return to normalcy in terms of pay, despite inflation and cost of living being higher. Um, uh, that there's there's more stability there. So so those are some of the reasons why 
um, the numbers are are more conservative. Uh, yeah, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, I mean, everyone was sort of rethinking their jobs, assessing whether this is the kind of job they wanted to be in. Gave us a That's lot of right. time to just sit and think about the work that we were doing and whether it was serving us. And a lot of people made that decision uh, to leave uh, their job. Uh, one of the advice... Some of the advice that we sometimes get is if you want to get a bump in pay, leave your job and find one at another company. Um, mm. is, is that still the case? Is it still the you know, most proactive way to get a salary increase is to just change jobs to a, to a new company or a new firm? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say that's a, a um, it's an approach, but likely not the best approach. Um, organizations benchmark themselves uh, with other organizations to understand uh, what their peers are doing and understand what is competitive uh, in terms of pay. Uh, so, for example, the survey that we're talking about today with the, the salary increase, this is what HR and finance are, are using to understand by how much they should adjust pay to, to remain competitive. So, yes, by leaving one uh, employer to go to another, you're putting yourself into a position of negotiation where you can uh, negotiate your salary. But we have to keep in mind that um, you're not necessarily winning the war for talent on salary alone. So if you are leaving one job for another for a pay bump, um, you you might be leaving a lot of very good conditions that you had at your previous employer um, for, for a bigger paycheck in terms of base salary. But are there uh, better career opportunities, better benefits, better pension plan, um, better company culture? Um, so, so there are many intangibles that come with it. So changing jobs purely to get a bump in pay might not be the best approach. Um, uh, and, and also employers, and this depends on the job, of course, but employers uh, are not looking uh, for for talent uh, purely, you know, uh, that, that are interested purely in money. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that, that would be my answer to that. <laughs> yeah, and there's something to be said about uh, time in the job. I mean, you understand a company, uh, you become more valuable to that company, and then that in and of mm -hmm. itself... Uh, can uh, put you in a position for for a pay, maybe pay bump, maybe not today, but definitely uh, in, in the future. Um, as companies admit that they will not be able to offer their employees or their new hires um, as as generous compensation, maybe that they, they were able to do in 2023, can you see this causing some issues uh, with new hires and with employees that might have been expecting this uh, going into the new year? Uh, well, it, it would be important for these organizations to um, manage expectations early on. Um, and, and this is why uh, this data is gathered. This data was gathered in August, and we're, we're gathering more data in October. But uh, many organizations, of course, their, their fiscal year is aligned with the calendar year. So all of this gives us enough time to plan ahead um, and, and communicate the message in terms of how we're doing. Um, and, and ultimately, because this is a large amalgamation of data, uh, it's fairly consistent. So we wouldn't see any, um, I, I say, I would say issues or, or very strong issues because one company to the next, there, there may not be that many differences in salary depending. Um, but one thing that's important to consider for, for these organizations is aside from money, what else do we have in our toolbox, uh, to make it, uh, uh um, to make us an attractive employer. I'll give you a very quick example. Um, we always focus on client satisfaction. Um, 
for example, Amazon, if I want to purchase a product, uh, it could take me 30 seconds on my phone, the next day it's at my door. Well, if you think of the employee experience, is it the same thing? For example, if I want to know how many vacation days I have left in the in the year, is it going to take me 30 seconds to figure that out? Or are there going to be uh, many processes in the way that create frustration? So it's for, it's for companies to look at all of those different things and employees to also recognize um, above and beyond just the, the salaries, uh, what what they're getting out of this particular job. We're speaking to Luke Lepom. He's a senior principal with Mercer Canada. Um, one of the ways that uh, it would be seen as a deficit uh, when it comes to negotiating pay is we don't always know what our colleagues are making. It's an awkward mm. question to ask. Um, but the issue of pay transparency is definitely becoming uh, more and more important. People are uh, people want more I- information when they are negotiating. Uh, tell me more about this emerging issue of pay transparency and what, what can be done about it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it, it has been um, it has been something that employees have been asking for for quite some time. It's not a new topic, but pay transparency itself is now trending. We have to be careful when we talk about pay transparency in terms of how we define it. Uh, we're not talking about telling employees what their colleagues are earning uh, and what their boss is earning and 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 that sort of thing. But it's more about um, the salary band in which the employee is uh, and how their compensation is determined. Um, and there are a couple of forces um, that that are, are pushing this trend. So one, um, if you look at, for example, new legislation that's being introduced in British Columbia starting November 1st, uh, job postings have to include the salary band uh, of that particular job which means anyone in the country can now start looking at that and come up with their own conclusions. But pay is different, different locations and from different companies. So uh, it will create some pressure for organizations to be more transparent about what, what they will tell their employees on how compensation is determined and on their salary bands. Uh, We've also surveyed um, uh, companies, uh, um, the same sample of companies, a large sample, 500 organizations, um, August of 2022, March of this year, and August of this year. And we've noticed just over 12 months that companies, uh, 8% of companies last year said that they openly uh, communicate the salary band of a job posting, and it's gone up to 15% this year. Um, And uh, many other organizations said they're looking into or exploring ways uh, to be more transparent about it. So we're going to start seeing more and more uh, employees being aware of the value of their job um, and where they fit within that, but not necessarily of their colleagues and that sort of thing. But it does does help from a negotiation perspective. Yeah, that clarification is really important. It's not like you're Mm going to find out what, you know, your colleague Sally is making. It's really just about understanding what your job is worth. Luke, thank you so much uh, for making time for us today. That was a really interesting conversation. Well, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much, Rubina. That's Luke Lapalm. He's Senior Principal with Mercer Canada. When we come back, how much is your Thanksgiving meal costing you this year? We have more on the cost of food with the food professor, Sylvain Charlebois, after the break. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rubina ahmed Hawk. Thanksgiving is next weekend and many families are shopping now for the big day. With food inflation still more than 6%, what we buy can really make a difference to our budget. 
to talk about what foods to focus on and what to avoid this Thanksgiving. We are joined by Sylvain Charlebois. He is a researcher and professor in food distribution and policy at Dalhousie University. He's also known as the food professor. Hi, Sylvain. Hi. Sylvain, um, what typical items that we normally would buy for Thanksgiving uh, dinner, so turkey, you know, Brussels sprouts, carrots, what items are you seeing uh, more expensive year over year that families should just be aware of if they're putting them in their basket? Yeah, so so let's look at the list here. So if you we start with, uh, with turkey, I think a lot of people will be buying and consuming turkey uh, over the weekend. That's a plus 18% compared to last year. And so that's due to the, the avian flu. Uh, other products that have caught our attention in terms of uh, higher prices, sweet potatoes plus 40%. Uh, it's been problematic uh, in many parts of the country. There's was too much water. Same for pumpkins, actually. Pumpkins are up 12% compared to last year. Green beans plus 11 uh, potatoes plus 13%. Uh, so those are the items that really have gone up uh, significantly. The the items that aren't necessarily that problematic, um, uh, I would say right now, uh, and let's see here, the list, uh, flowers plus 5%, apples plus 9%. Um, it's still pretty also- high though, Sylvain, like 9% higher for apples. Uh you know, for some families who buy a bag of apples every week at the grocery store, that 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 can really hurt their bottom line. Uh, absolutely, those are national average uh, averages, though. I mean, it's, it's in some parts of the country. I, I I suspect that apples are are actually cheaper. In fact, in the Maritimes where I live, uh, apples are actually cheaper than last year because there's so much. There's so many apples on trees. <laughs> they there's there was a lot of water. And uh, yeah, harvest has it's been has been very good. Uh, but in other parts of the country, people uh, there there wasn't a whole lot of water there. So the Ontario, Quebec, they've they're they're faring okay overall. If uh, someone is trying to save a little bit of money this Thanksgiving, uh, I know that you have some uh, items that you've already mentioned that are not as uh, high in price year over year. Are there some ways that they can swap things out that would save them a little bit of money but still have a Thanksgiving feast? Well, tofu's cheaper. Yeah, if okay. you like tofu, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually cheaper than three years ago. I mean, uh, that's the thing about plant-based products. They do fluctuate, but not as much as animal protein. So uh, so vegetarians will be happy uh, at Thanksgiving. But uh, uh, if, if, you look at the, if you look at the meat counter, pork is actually a good deal right now. If you like pork, pork chops uh tenderloin uh, pork tenderloin those are products that are actually cheaper than two three years ago bacon is cheaper than two three years ago so those are products if you really want to save money and you're not too fussy on the bird and uh, you want to try other things i would do that uh fish and seafood actually some there are some uh some species some products that are actually cheaper salmon is actually cheaper last year but the problem with salmon, that salmon is actually a premium 
protein. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it, it's typically very expensive. Yeah, you're already paying that higher price. And so someone who can afford salmon yeah. can afford it, even if it goes up in price. Exactly. It's not something that someone puts in that's cost effective. I can tell you that lobster is, is cheaper, but lobster is very expensive. So Is caviar yeah. cheaper, uh, Sylvain? Maybe I, I, heard it, I heard at Costco, uh, caviar is on sale. So right, right. Yeah. Again, <laughs> you know, speaking to people who already have those deep pockets to afford that kind of specialty food. But Thanksgiving kind of kicks off, uh, you know, a, a host of different events where families can feel a lot of pressure to put big meals together that can cost them a lot of money. What's your expectation going into, uh, you know, Christmas, New Year's Eve, where we have lots of family gatherings, lots of food, lots of drink? Um, what's your expectation? You know, what should Canadians be expecting when they're at the grocery store? I, I think I think things are actually going to get better. Things are getting better. Uh, the general flu inflation rate is dropping. Uh, I know people are hoping that prices will drop. Prices actually will drop for certain items. Uh, we're expecting flour to be cheaper. We're expecting rice to be cheaper. And rice, by the way, is the number one ingredient used in cooking around the world. Uh, and uh, only water is used more often. So it's a big deal for many, many families. Uh, uh, also, we're expecting coffee to be cheaper so you're going to get some help if you're looking for deals you're going to get some help from from grocery chains much more so in the last couple of years because it's been much more manageable the situation has been much more manageable compared to last year when ukraine the invasion of ukraine really rocked the entire world and uh and the year before or two years before it was the pandemic yeah, and, and all the supply chain issues and everything that yeah. came came with that. I mean, we in some cases, you'd go and that item would just simply not be available. And exactly. you'd ask the grocer and they'd say, we don't know when we're getting this specific kind of cracker exactly. in, right? That all of us were facing that. It, it was sort of a, a reality check for many of us because for the first time ever, at least in my life, um, I, I would have to wait for certain items to be available. I think it sort of taught us a lesson of uh, how a lot of people live around the world that were, abundance is not always uh, the normal um, uh, and that we should sometimes yep. have to wait for those things. Um, for families who are trying to save money, say they're looking ahead to Christmas, you know, saying, okay, you know, Thanksgiving is a few days away. We definitely need to plan for that. But if they really want to save money uh, for those big meals that they may have more in December, what, what would be your best advice of how they can get the best deals? Plan now. Plan now. I know it's like October, but plan now. Uh, I think that's that would be the best. And get a sense of the market. Uh, I, I know. So, so right now we're going back to the '80s, early '80s, when inflation was at 17, 18 percent. People were very careful with their money. I remember when I was a kid, we went to the grocery store maybe once a week. We we didn't buy anything if it wasn't on sale basically. And we went to different stores as well, even in the 80s. And so my suggestion would be to do your homework before you leave your house. And if you don't have time to visit more than one store a week, visit uh, alternate stores over two, three weeks at discount stores, uh, a discount store, a regular store, and a, and a specialty store. Don't Don't avoid specialty independent stores. A lot of people think that small is expensive not always sometimes independent uh, grocers will have some really interesting deals just because they they foster really strong relationship with certain suppliers to get you in to uh, their store and buy certain products so i would look around as much as possible and people are looking around 
Sylvain Charlebois is a researcher and professor in food distribution and policy at Dalhousie University. Uh, Sylvain, a lot of criticism has been made about the big grocers uh, keeping prices artificially high. There is a spotlight on them. Uh, They were in Ottawa talking about ways that they can bring those prices down. Uh, What is your take? Uh, You know, what are grocery stores doing to make food more affordable for Canadians if there is anything they can do? Well, it's about competitiveness. So they obviously try to offer good deals, uh, but it's been problematic. If you look around the world, that that's really the perspective you need to take in order to appreciate what's going on in Canada. Look around the world. So within the G7, Canada has the lowest food inflation rate uh, after the Americans. Uh, we're doing okay. Uh, if you look at food sales specifically in Canada, we're actually spending less at the grocery store, not more. So retail sales have actually dropped 2% from July to August because people are much more frugal and grocers are actually making less money with food, but more money selling other things like cosmetics. They're actually making money selling uh, drugs as well, uh, precision drugs and clothing and things like that with uh, items uh, with higher margins. But when it comes to food right now, uh, same store food sales growth in the grocery business is about up 4% when food inflation is above is above 6%. So you can, you can see that the sector itself is underwater with food. But I think it's been unfair to them. Uh, a lot of people are talking about record profits and it's actually true, but they're actually recording record profits because of other items, not necessarily food. Interesting. Thank you so much, Sylvain, for joining us today and getting us up to date on what's happening with food prices and what we can do to save some money uh, before this Thanksgiving weekend. My pleasure. Take care. Yeah, you too. That's Sylvain Charlebois. He is a researcher and professor in food distribution and policy at Dalhousie University. He's also known as the food professor. Coming up, Amazon's checkout free stores are coming to Canada. They're already here. You just pick up and go. No lines, no cashier, no checkout. I'll explain how this all works and how this innovative way to shop might be the end of shoplifting. I'm Rubina Ahmad Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina ahmed Hawk. The best things in life are free. Well, you heard it. If you want to save some money on your Thanksgiving meal, you got to rethink that protein. you got to think ham over turkey, tofu over turkey. I mean, vegetarians, where are you? I mean, you must be rejoicing. It's always cheaper to eat a plant-based meal. That's one of the big draws. Uh, You know, not only is it better for your health, I'm not a health expert, but that's what I read, but it's also better for your pocketbook. I mean, you're definitely going to save money if you're focusing on veggies. And Thanksgiving is, there is a lot of veggies, right? Around your Thanksgiving turkey. And some of those vegetables are expensive. You know, the average fresh fruit and vegetable is up about 13%. So you want to definitely be shopping sales. You definitely want to be buying things in season. I've really now been obsessed with figuring out, you know, how far did this apple travel to make it to my kitchen? Um, You know, so I'm always looking at, I live in Ontario, so I'm always looking at stuff that's grown in Ontario because you know, it's fresher and 
it feels like it might be cheaper because it didn't have to travel as far to get to me. So Sylvan had some great tips there on how we can save. And then going into the holidays, um, you know, if you know you're making prime rib, I'm speaking for myself. I make prime rib every Christmas. Um, maybe start shopping now. You can put that thing in your deep freezer and you can use it in December. I'm not a huge fan of stockpiling food. I got to say, I'm not one of those people that goes to the, you know, the warehouse store. We're not going to mention the name uh, and brings a bunch of stuff home and sort of just has it. Um, I really do sort of operate in the 48 hour, 72 hour sort of meal plan where I think, okay, what do my family need today, tomorrow, maybe the third day? And I try to get the stuff that's necessary. It can sometimes waste a bit of time. Uh, I'm lucky enough that I live really close to a grocery store. I can I can walk there in a pretty short amount of time. So I'm not worried usually about not being able to find food when I need it. Um, and I often feel like if I buy too much of one item, uh, my my kids especially, and myself included, get sick of eating it. Right. So it's like, no, we can't eat that chicken again or we can't have those whatever dumplings that you bought sometimes. You know, these are these are things that I have brought home because they were on sale. So I bought a bunch of them and now we have to eat them for three months. And it just feels a little bit like uh, really repetitive. And, you know, as human beings, we like variety. Uh, I thought it was really important to bring up that Food Banks Canada put out its first ever poverty index. Really what it did is it gave a grade to each province as as to how they're doing when it comes to poverty in their region. So the province of Ontario got the best grade, uh, rather, sorry, the province of Quebec got the best grade of B minus. Um, they, you know, they looked at um, how people are experiencing poverty, the measures that the province is taking to help those who are living in poverty, uh, material deprivation. So what things can and can they not afford? Um, and has there been any progress, you know, in the last decade when it comes to dealing with those people who are living really on the financial fringe? Um Ontario and uh, British Columbia, Manitoba and Alberta got the worst grade and Newfoundland. And I believe New Brunswick, yes, and New Brunswick all got D's. D minus for Ontario, D plus for British Columbia. Nothing to be proud of that you're a D plus over a D minus. Uh, So it really does indicate that there is a lot more work that needs to be done um, in these provinces uh, to help those people who are most affected by uh, poverty, that are living in situations where they are food insecure, so they don't have enough money to feed their families, uh, that they are not ha- do they don't have access to affordable housing. We know in many parts of this country that housing is a, a huge chunk of someone's uh, someone's. Um, take home pay. It used to be that, you know, the the, the old number we would use is 30%. So 30% of your pay goes towards shelter costs. That number has ballooned in some cases, especially in places like Vancouver and Toronto to more than 50-60%. Um, many fixed costs have gone up. Uh, utilities are more. As I said, the food insecurity has increased so people can't afford to buy basics because they're, like we talked about with Sylvan, some things are up double digits year over year and those prices have been coming up for the last 18 months and so they're only getting more uh, more and more expensive and then there isn't as much social assistance assistance available uh, that's made available through local and provincial governments and so people who need to put their kids in programs can't afford to do so people who need to have access to good schools they don't have that they don't have access uh, to maybe a, a retraining program that would help them get a better job and make more money and get themselves out of poverty it's not available to them so provinces do have a lot of work to do 
according to this new poverty report, this first ever by Food Banks Canada, uh, about the kind of grade that most provinces across the country are getting. Uh, I mean, B minus for Quebec, but everybody else, pretty mediocre, if not failing altogether when it comes to how they are dealing with uh, with uh, food insecurity, with poverty in the country. The worst score, I don't want to point this out, Nova Scotia getting an F uh, for everything that we just have been talking about. I think it's really important conversation to have before Thanksgiving. It's a time of year that if you can afford to, if you open up your wallets, uh, can make a really big difference, uh, especially to food banks. Uh, one food bank that I spoke to in the city of Toronto is saying that their cost... Get this. They used to spend $1.5 million a year on food, right? Buying fresh food for those who would access their food banks. Now they're spending $1.5 million a month. Their costs have gone up 12 times in the last three or four years since the pandemic started because of the cost of food going up, because of the increased need that they are seeing and uh, access. They just don't have access to the same kinds of uh, items that they did uh, pre-pandemic. They simply have not come back. And all of that is increasing their costs uh, year over year. And uh, as you can, as I just said, 12 times uh, the, the need right now, the cost that it's, it, it is to serve the people that are coming through their doors. So if you can afford to, that would be a good place uh, to uh, give some, some money generously. Uh, a new way of shopping has come to Canada. Amazon has launched check-free stores, check-out free stores. Um, and really, this is a store where you walk into, you pick up items, and you walk right out of the store. So, uh, you know, this really is an innovative way to save money, save time. And it also is a way to stop shoplifting. Now, they get your credit or debit card information as you walk through the door. So you can't just walk in and then, you know, tap your card later with the items you've bought. It's not a self-checkout. This really is a way for them knowing exactly what you're picking up and what you're walking out the door with. So if you are entering the store, you have to enter it with a credit or debit card to gain entry. And then when you leave, that you are charged for the items that you leave with. So this is, you know, going to make life easier for a lot of people. It's called the Just Walk Out technology. It's available already in Toronto and Calgary uh, for sports fans who are attending games um, at big stadiums. They can skip the lineup when they purchase snacks or drinks, but it could come later to places like grocery stores or other places where you buy items quickly and need to get out of the store quickly. I know some stores uh, in my neighborhood, they now have where you can scan as you uh Put stuff in the basket. So you're scanning and putting in the basket and then you just walk out with the basket. So it's a similar kind of idea, but this is something different. I mean, this really is you just walk in and walk out. And this is, you know, this is the new way of shopping. This is sort of our new reality that we are living in. Um, it is obviously going to require less labor, less people to do those jobs because technology is taking care of all the transactions. So that is one criticism uh, that definitely, I think, is being lauded at Amazon. That's, again, uh, cutting out uh, labor, cutting out jobs that could go to people who are in need of those jobs, uh, especially a big company like Amazon that can't afford to pay their employees more hourly. Uh, but it's interesting that this is this technology is uh, going to be perhaps part of our everyday lives. I wonder what you think about that. You can hit me up on all the different social media 
Uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. That's the two major places. Tell me what you think of these new Amazon web services allowing you to just walk out with the items and not have to actually check them out. But you will be charged. It's not like you're getting them for free. Uh, we had a fantastic show today. I really enjoyed the conversation with Sylvain Charlebaugh talking about the cost of food. We've all had sticker shock going to the grocery store, but he had some great ways that we can swap some things out and save a little bit of money. And his number one tip, and it's a tip that I have been promoting since the beginning of time, since I started covering personal finance, shop early. You will always spend less money when you shop early and plan. It's just it's just facts, right? You make a list. You keep your eye out for things that you know you need and you buy them when they go on sale. The sales are happening, but they're just not happening as frequently. So you just need to be a little bit more, uh, you need to plan a little bit more ahead in order to get those sales. And unfortunately, this new Mercer report when it comes to compensation is showing that employees are not going to be getting as big of a bump in pay going into 2024. Uh, During the pandemic, a lot of uh, companies were hiring uh, for different roles and were willing to pay those salaries, uh, higher and higher salaries in order to especially get those highly technical workers through the door. Uh, Some of that has slowed down. Uh, People aren't changing jobs as much. The need has tapered off a little bit and so companies are not willing to compensate their new hires especially as much as maybe they would have been a year a year and a half ago I want to thank you so much for listening today. Uh, It's been a really great hour. I hope you got something out of it. I want to thank our technical producer, James Petrovic. I want to thank you, the listener. We will be back here, same time, same place. If you want to catch this show again, you can get it anywhere you get your streaming services. I'm Rabina Ahmad-Huck, and this is For What It's Worth.